At Freedom HealthWorks, we're focused on putting medical professionals back in control of their practices. Utilizing a structured, tailored approach to business, startup, and operations, it could make sense for you to work with our professional team to avoid expensive pitfalls and, more importantly, expedite your journey to success. As we all know, time is money. If you're involved in the practice of medicine and desire to practice free of headaches and constraints, reach out for a no-obligation consultative conversation. Call us today at 317-804-1203 or visit freedomhealthworks.com. Welcome to Healthcare Americana, coming to you from the Freedom Doc Studios. I am your host, Christopher Habig, CEO and co-founder of Freedom HealthWorks. This is a podcast for the 99% of people who get care in America. We talk to innovative clinicians, policymakers, patients, caregivers, executives, and advocates who are fed up with the status quo and have a desire to change it. We take you behind the scenes with people across America that are putting patients first and restoring trust in American healthcare. Anybody who's listened to this podcast over the last few years understands my opinion about the mental health crisis in America, specifically how it really isn't being addressed and also the role that primary care physicians, specifically those who work with Freedom Health Works in the direct primary care world, have an ability to start making impact in people's lives when it comes to mental health and mental illnesses, catching conditions before they become really bad and catching conditions before people become really a threat to themselves and to society on the far end of the spectrum. But there's so many other everyday mental health things that it just kind of weigh on our minds. It's almost like a death by a thousand cuts in a, in a sort of sense. Please welcome to our show, John Cray, the Chief Technology Officer at Mental Health Technologies, a firm that is really revolutionizing mental health testing and screening and making it more accessible so that everyday Americans can get the care and the treatment that they need and they deserve. John, welcome to our show. Welcome to Healthcare Americana. Chris, thank you. Thanks for having me on. You said it very well. I think that's exactly what we're trying to accomplish. So thanks for the intro. Uh, it's it's my pleasure. It's it's either I, I knock the intro out of the park or I really screw it up and we spend the first part of the episode sitting here kind of backtracking and trying to make me not look like a complete idiot. But I swear I do my homework most of the time. John, I, I do, uh, all, all joking aside, I do want to dive into really, I guess over the last few years, we hear mental health, we hear that phrase in the news so often and so many times it's linked to really bad things happening in our society. Tell us where mental health technologies and the work you're doing, how those headlines impact every day when you go to work. That's a really good question. I think I think because it is in the news so much, and to your point, I mean, in the news, it's, it's often an extreme case, some kind of violence, you know, situation, or or maybe it's a celebrity or an athlete saying they need to take a mental health break and that becomes news, you know, whatever it might be. But I think what it's done is it's it's drawn attention to the topic and made it a little more, a little easier for people to talk about mental health situations. They see it other, other places, maybe it becomes a little more normalized. And so I think people are more willing to share and talk about their own situations. But really, even though we tend to see it in these extreme situations, you know, there are mental health conditions pretty much everywhere in our society, including in primary care. 
And we see this in so many different people, right? Like we, we still don't know what the pandemic and the shutdowns and mask wearing have done to children and teenagers. But so far, from what I've seen, a lot of the numbers aren't great from self-esteem issues, communication issues, behavioral issues. And so when we talk to our physicians, you know, through Freedom Health Works and the different types of specialists for mental health, like there's there's some serious things going on. And it's almost like we don't know how to react to it from a medical profession. It's like we don't we don't know how to talk with kids, teenagers, middle aged people. We don't know how to screen them effectively. Give us an idea of what used to happen as far as screening and trying to figure out where people landed as far as what is going on between their ears, and then juxtapose that with what you're working on at Mental Health Technologies. Yeah, I mean, I guess the good news is that there is screening going on now. You know, it used to be that you'd walk into your doctor's office, you'd see a nurse practitioner or a PA or whomever, and they wouldn't really focus on your mental health. They'd focus on the the problem of the moment. Maybe it's your annual physical. Maybe it's some other condition. But they wouldn't really direct their attention to any mental health situation. Now, at least, there's some regulatory changes that at least require some level of questioning about your mental state, at least, say, once a year. But what we're really finding is that that really isn't isn't enough. Like, if someone asks a couple of basic depression questions on your annual physical, which, you know, is a PHQ-2, basically. You're being asked that kind of quickly right in, the, right in the doctor's office. They're trying to move on to other things. Maybe it's the nurse asking it. They really don't ask any follow-up questions or dive any deeper. So it becomes this sort of brusque, pressured thing, and patients maybe don't respond as honestly. And there's no time really taken to figure out what's really going on with the patient. So I think that's still a big challenge. And that's a challenge that we're directly trying to address. What you just said embodies so much of the way that modern healthcare is practiced due to reimbursements and just the convoluted way that physicians and, and practitioners are paid, you know, more of a revenue maximization where it's like, yep, check the box, check the box, check the box, quality metrics don't really mean anything. But when we talk about these questionnaires, these PHQs, and this has to be pretty obvious that these tests are ripe for false answers, ripe for people being, I don't know, just kind of holding something back and not being completely honest and becoming completely forthcoming. Has that been your experience when you know, you're trying to create something else, create a better assessment tool where you bring in the ability to actually get honest answers from patients? Yeah, it's the, that's the perfect question. I think, as, as we were talking about, I think, um, will patients really think about the questions and answer them? I don't think it's necessarily the fault of the surveys. They're actually pretty good. I mean, if you, if you look at the lengthier depression survey, you know, a PHQ-8 or PHQ-9, PHQ-9 differs from PHQ-8 in that it includes a suicidality question, which is a very good question to ask these days. The answers that the patient gives seem to depend on whether they're able to think about the question before they answer. And one of the things we've found and and one of the things we do is we send our questionnaires out to patients well in advance of their appointment. So we know about an appointment. We might get it from the 
EMR, EHR system at the clinic. That triggers us to run some rules to figure out whether the patient should be should receive mental health tests more than one, perhaps, depression, anxiety, OCD, ADHD, alcohol dependency, drug dependency, pain levels, could be anything, and it depends on what the appointment is about and what the patient's diagnosis is. But once we figure out what to test and how to test, then it becomes giving it to them where they have time, they're in a private setting, they might get it on their cell phone at home, they can take the time to answer honestly. And Chris, I want to say one other thing, because you mentioned something kind of key right, right when you were leading up to this, and that was about getting compensated, you know, uh, doctors' practices getting compensated for this. It turns out, if you do it right, mental health tests are billable. They're actually very billable. Um, you can't do them every day or every week. Insurers won't go that far. But you can do them periodically, and you can bill reasonably often for them. And if you complement your practice with these tests, you can actually do a couple of things. Number one, you can increase your billing through, you know, to insurers based on the tests themselves. But you can also prove certain metrics which might reduce your insurance rates over time. It's one of those things where if the insurers know that you are regularly checking in on your patients in a number of these key metric areas, and mental health is one of them, you can reduce your rates. So there's actually direct financial benefits for this as well. Coming from my world where our practices don't deal with insurance at all, it's a flat membership fee, flat monthly fee. In your opinion, how often should somebody be screened for mental illness? I'm going to say something that sounds stupidly obvious, but it depends. You know, if, if a patient is regularly saying, you know, indicating no level of depression, you know, or anxiety or the basic checks that you would do, you know, checking in with them once every six months or even once a year is generally probably okay if you don't see any other signs of any potential problems. But if someone is clearly indicating signs of depression or they've said that they're thinking about suicide, which, believe it or not, happens a lot more often than, well, maybe not than you would think. I'm sure you're well aware of how often this happens, but than others might think. We've run some metrics recently, and we found that about 20% or so of the tests we do for depression indicate suicidality, which is a stunning number, one out of five, you know, um, and that's just something we see every single day. So if you see that, then testing more often is more important. And if the patient goes into some kind of treatment, if it's a directly a treatment for mental health through some kind of drug regimen or through some of the more advanced technologies that exist now for improving mental health, then checking them a lot more regularly to see whether they're progressing is is worth we're finding is absolutely key. And that's kinda that's kinda where I'm going with that, John, because you, you, you kinda got us there without me going that to me, mental health is like a spectrum, right? And it changes every single day. I might be having a really bad day and that's it. But I don't take a PHQ test that day. It's my doctor's appointment is in six months. And in six months, I might be super happy. And then totally, you know, not even bring up the fact that there were suicidal thoughts a couple of months ago, and it kind of goes in waves. And so I think it's, it, it kind of embodies, again, going back to where we've really let patients fall through the cracks, is that we look at physicals, and we look at healthcare, and we look at doctor visits as this 
snapshot. This once a day for 365 days, even with blood tests, even with, I mean, all everything changes day to day, right? There's fluctuations, mental health, that kind of stuff. We're stressed, we're not stressed. And so that's what I'm kind of thinking, like, you know, can mental health technologies, your company here, is that creating a stronger relationship between physicians and patients where they can stay more in tune with one another and that physician can be a resource to that patient if and when those cycles happen or that stress spikes or even on the good days and the patient can say, hey, doc, I feel great today. This is amazing. We like to think it is. You know, the whole key for us is putting the information in front of the physician so that they can be the best informed they can be, right? And that means since the physicians live inside that visit screen, you know, they've got the patient in and right there in the visit screen where they're taking notes, we can put our results right there in the interpretation of those results and make it very visible. Then, you know, the physician is informed and can guide the conversation. And that's what we're really trying to do. And we hope that improves the relationship between the patient and the physician. And we hope it allows the physician to direct their attention to zoom in on exactly what needs to what needs attention you know right now and that's that's the goal you know like you said earlier early detection of potential issues and then if there are sort of regular checking in to make sure they're stabilized or doing better hopefully yeah it's how to how does a patient tell their doctor when they've hit rock bottom or how's the doctor identify that if there's no annual visit coming on board for more of the traditional testing where what you guys have built looks like it closes the gap significantly there. John, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our fantastic sponsor, Freedom Doc. After our commercial break, I do want to dive in a little bit more on your services, on your products here, and really focus in on how this enables the physician once those tests are in, how that enables the physician to now approach their patient and get them the health and the treatment that they really need. But first, a quick message from our fantastic sponsor, Freedom Doc. Physician burnout is a killer. It is driving our best and brightest out of medicine. The only solution to burnout is to be your own boss. The easiest way to be your own boss is join the Freedom Doc Physician Network. Freedom Doc is a unified consumer brand and will fully finance your practice so that you can enjoy a healthier lifestyle Take better care of patients and spend more time with your family. You focus on patients, Freedom Doc focuses on your business. So if you're ready to be your own boss, visit our website, freedomdoc.care, to learn more and schedule a consultation with one of our experts, Freedom Doc Accessible Concierge Healthcare. Once again, we are back with John Cray, the CTO at Mental Health Technologies in beautiful Chicago, Illinois, just up the road from me here in wonderful Indianapolis. John, we spent the previous part of the episode really diving into mental health and how we can really help physicians and patients come together, understand really what's going on and be able to answer questions and feedback forms honestly. And that's where mental health technologies, your company comes into the fray. So when somebody uses MHT, when somebody uses your product, walk us through really how it works from start to finish. It's typically triggered by an appointment. You know, patient is is scheduled to come in for a visit. Doesn't have to be. You know, a clinic tells us the rules they want to operate on. You know, if they want to base it on some time frequency of testing, that's fine. But typically, it's associated with an appointment. And again, part, partly that's because it's a billable thing and partly because 
that's the timing that they want in case the patient indicates some severe mental health issue, they want to be able to see that patient right away and address it, you know. We get a trigger, you know, and we run some rules. And the rules are interesting. We can base whether to test on the last time they were tested, on scores from previous tests, on diagnoses, on what the appointment is about, on comorbidity. You know, it could be that if they're experiencing a lot of depression, there might be childhood trauma or something else that you want to probe in on. You know, so there could be some situations that if you're under a lot of pain, you might want to also test for anxiety, for example. There, there are lots of tests that make sense together. So there's all those rules. And when we, when we run those rules, we then our engine then just basically says, okay, here are the tests we need to send out. We send them out to the patient in the form of a text message, an email, whatever the appropriate communication vehicle is for that patient. They get it on their mobile phone, let's say, click on the link, take the tests. Usually takes a few minutes, even, you know, answering the questions honestly, taking your time, no more than three, four, five minutes at the most. You submit your answers, they come back into our system, and we run basically the diagnostic on the test results, come up with what the test really means, and then we send that back into the EHR so it's right in front of the person, the provider, when they're meeting with the patient. So that's really the end-to-end workflow. Um, And then based on that, we can do other things. Let's say the patient says they're suicidal. We can redirect them to a webpage, the 988 Suicide Hotline webpage, for example, and get them the help they might need, or at least some way of getting that help right away. Another thing we can do is if they say they're above a certain level of depression or whatever test you're measuring, we can redirect or we can send out a notification to someone so that they're informed and maybe they can bring in a mental health person into the equation for that patient so we can refer as well. So there's a lot of actionable stuff that kind of happens on the back of the testing as well. I like that you said that you can absorb these these test results and then take action and not just and deal directly with that patient, right? I think that's important because you know, unfortunately, so many physicians are still in the fee-for-service world where they might get a bad test result or a, a test result that indicates you know bad things happening to that person and then just not have the time to actually do anything with it. That's where you guys come in, your team comes in really as a supplemental force to that physician, that care to say, holy cow, this person is thinking about harming themselves. Let's go ahead and take action right now, alert the physician so they know what's going on, but Let's make sure we take an action immediately rather than giving the doctor something else to do. Yeah, I think that's just it. I mean, just measuring for the sake of measuring is great in that the the physician has more information for the meeting with the patient. But being able to do this kind of actionable thing out the back end is, is critical. One of the things we've done, for example, is we go into, say, each geography that we're, that we're in and we, we might make sure that there's a behavioral health practice nearby so that any primary care practices using the testing have a place to refer. You know, it's often the case that primary care doesn't have a behavioral health expert on staff and might need to supplement their staff with, you know, access to a behavioral health expert. And our ability to kind of automate the referral to that person so that then they can, the 
primary care can bring them into the equation is a lot of value, we think. So that works pretty well. Yeah, I, most doctors will raise their hand and say, yes, please help me. Just don't give me more burdens, more stuff to do when I know how to deal with the previous kind of, it's not paper and pencil, but you know, kind of a survey format. Now I introduce something else. Is this going to layer duties on top of me where it takes more time away from kids and, and, and weekends and home life? So it's always that balance. And I, I find that when we talk to people on the show, that's one of the biggest things that, that is, is really bubbling to this top where people are saying, no, this will actually help the doctor save time, establish a strong relationship. So I'm always thankful when, when we do get to have conversations that take that line and say, no, this is, this is a positive. This is a support for the physician. And also we're going to do right by the patient itself. One thing that was interesting when I was looking, you know, researching this episode, you know, your testing, your technology also identify addictions, dependencies. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It, it's done through the same approach. It's really asking the patient a series of questions. But again, given time to uh, and privacy, you know, they're, they're more honest, you know, really, as we talked about. And, and yeah, we have identified significant addiction uh, issues in a lot of patients where the primary care folks just weren't aware of it. Uh, and then again, they can refer, you know, they can help the patient with inpatient or outpatient treatment options or, you know, whatever they decide to do. And that can all be automated to your point about taking the burden off of the physician. We don't want to give them more work to do. We actually want to give them more information, but provide them options to make sure they don't have to do everything for the patient themselves. You know, so I think that's really the fundamental key to it. And John, your story, you, know, you got to this position, you know, mental health has been something that has affected you and loved ones. Give us a little bit of background on, you know, the previous uh, parts of your life that led you to becoming chief technology officer with mental health technologies. Yeah, I, I really, I, I've had limited exposure to the healthcare field in my career. Um, you know, we've had a few healthcare customers of various products I've worked on over, over the years, but really, um, I was affected earlier in my life a couple of by a couple of suicides. Um, my college roommate's mom committed suicide. Um, that was a very tough time, and nobody saw it coming. And uh, I had a good friend who, whose uh, fiance committed suicide. So I, it wasn't you know it, it was like one step removed from me, but also directly, kind of in my sort of personal. Um, set of contacts and connections. And it was, it was tough, you know, and in both of those cases, there was not a lot of warning. I mean, after the fact, you think, was there warning? You know, everybody can come up with, oh, I should have seen this, or I should have seen that. But if there would have been good diagnostics, good testing, could something different have happened? And then my mom, um, you know, as she got older, developed dementia. And it was, again, one of those things where we didn't know in advance it was happening. We, you know, she was maybe a little forgetful or quicker to anger or whatever it might be, but we just thought, ah, it's just basically she's tired or whatever, you know. If we would have been able to see the results of better testing, it honestly would have made a, a much bigger difference for us in terms of getting her the help she needed as she progressed. So, yeah, personally, I was involved. When I saw the opportunity to get involved in hands on helping patients with these kinds of conditions, I was all over it. It's, it's amazing to get up in the morning and feel like you're, you're doing something good for people 
in the world, you know, as you know. Amen to that. I love talking to people on the show that are really mission driven, right? And they're like, we're, we got to do right by everybody because the big health systems, the government's uh, oligopolies are just not doing it. So it's up to us to go out there and actually put people's lives first and put their well-being, put their care before anything else. John, as we come to a close the the episode here, you know, you guys are very, st- very much still in startup mode. Where have you seen the most traction? And then where's your your biggest growth potential here coming up? Yeah, I mentioned that we're kind of attacking geographies. Like, so we'll go into a place like uh, Dallas, Texas, and we'll say, okay, we're the primary care practices that are large enough that this level of automation would help them. If they're one or two providers, you know, maybe this might not be cost effective because if they, especially if they want it integrated into their back office systems, but if they're above a certain level in the practice, then it definitely becomes cost effective and actually becomes a revenue driver as well as a helping patients driver, you know, for the practice. So we'll look for a certain size and we'll look for a certain geography and then we'll kind of go after it again with the combination of primary care and behavioral health all within the same area and kind of link the two things together. And we've seen, we're starting to propagate that across the country. We're testing patients in maybe 12 or 14 states now in the U.S., and we're rapidly expanding. We've grown four times our size in the last year. It's an extremely important thing to do, and we're seeing people really taking it up and and using it effectively, so it's been great. It's John Cray, the Chief Technology Officer at Mental Health Technologies. John, thanks for joining us here on Healthcare Americana. It has been a pleasure. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. That's going to do it for this episode. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out online at healthcareamericana.com to catch previous episodes. Subscribe to our mailing list and visit our online store. Once again, I am your host, Christopher Habig. Thanks for listening. Check out healthcareamericana.com to hear all of our episodes. Visit the shop and learn more about the podcast. Healthcare Americana is produced and managed by Taylor Scott and iPodcast Pro. Healthcare Americana is brought to you by Freedom HealthWorks and Freedom Doc. If you've been struggling to get the care you need and the access you want, it's time to join your local Freedom Doc. Visit freedomdoc.care to find the practice location nearest you. Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. Check out healthcareamericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.